This is Garrison Harney with your Cross Politic Daily News Brief for Tuesday, September 27, 2022. I hope you and your family had a great weekend with you and yours. So here's what you may have missed over the weekend when it comes to news. First, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God. The Word was God, and the Word didn't stay in heaven. The Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory. The glory of the Father, full of grace and truth. Grace and truth became flesh. The Word became flesh. The story of God's grace became flesh, and it was that Word, that truth, that story that will fill the world. That is why this year's Fight, Laugh, Feast conference in Knoxville, Tennessee, is on lies, propaganda, storytelling, and the serrated edge. The Word is a sword. The Word is our glory. So join us October 6th through the 8th as we fight, laugh, and feast with beer and psalms. Speakers including Pastor Doug Wilson, George Gilder, Ben Merkel, Jared Longshore, and Pastor Toby Sumter. Chocolate Knox will be doing a roundtable with the Wilsons and Merkels on why stories are so potent for building family cultures that win. All culminating in a live show with Megan Basham and Jason Whitlock talking lies and journalism. And we just announced that a one-day Saturday-only pass for $99 is now available. Find out more and register or become a vendor at FightLaughFeast.com. Vladimir Putin grants full Russian citizenship to Edward Snowden. Russian President Vladimir Putin granted full Russian citizenship to U.S. whistleblower Edward Snowden on Monday. Snowden, age 39, fled the United States to Russia after revealing information about extensive surveillance operations being conducted by the National Security Agency, or NSA. He is now a Russian citizen by a presidential decree, Reuters reported Monday. The announcement comes roughly two years after Russia granted Snowden permanent residency in the country. The country first granted Snowden asylum in 2014 and has since resisted calls to extradite him to the U.S. Snowden faces espionage charges that could land him in prison for up to 30 years in the U.S. Strategic intelligence expert and author of Putin's Playbook, Rebecca Koffer, says the move likely signals that Snowden is working more closely with the Russian government. She says he is likely now subject to Putin's mobilization order, but he will be assisting Russian intelligence rather than serving on the front lines. Snowden stated in 2019 that he would be willing to return to the U.S. on the condition that he got a fair trial. Quote, that is the ultimate goal, but if I'm going to spend the rest of my life in prison, then my bottom line demand is that we all agree to it that I at least get a fair trial, Snowden told CBS this morning at the time. Former President Donald Trump has stated that he was considering Snowden's case for a potential pardon in 2020, but he never took action. Senator Rand Paul Republican of Kentucky, has been one of Snowden's major allies in the U.S., saying the whistleblower unveiled schemes by the U.S. government to surveil American citizens both here and abroad. On to our government here at home. Congress flirts with government shutdown as Mencken permitting bill may drag down funding package. The government is days away from shutting down, and the Senate may not have the votes to pass the initial version of its funding bill as top Democrats press ahead on the deal with Senator Joe Mankin that may fail Tuesday. Mankin, Democrat West Virginia, agreed to help Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer of New York pass Democrats' social tax and spending bill last month. In exchange, Schumer promised Mankin a vote on an energy permitting reform to speed new projects. They're combining that with a government funding bill that must pass by Friday night or else trigger a government shutdown. However, with a major test vote with a 60-vote threshold set for Tuesday night, legislation may not have the support to pass with opposition coming from both parties. Macon's office says he is still optimistic. 
Schumer has also insisted he will follow through on his deal with Mencken. He said Tuesday he is, quote, working hard to have it pass. If the vote fails, Congress will be forced to scramble to pass government funding bill before midnight Friday. That could be a tall task with three legislative days to spare. It is possible that Mencken's permitting reform provision will be stripped from the funding bill if it fails Tuesday night so lawmakers can advance the rest of the package later in the week. However, that timing could be close. Among options to help avert a shutdown, lawmakers could pass a one-day or two-day funding bill before a bigger package to keep the government funded until the elections. Another possibility would be both parties in the Senate could cooperate to speed along the funding bill and beat the Friday night buzzer. Other issues may also impact votes on the funding bill. According to a source, the package will include disaster relief for Jackson, Mississippi, winter heating assistance, food and drug administration, user user fee reauthorization, and more than $12 billion in new assistance for Ukraine because they don't have enough already. Senator Bernie Sanders is pushing fellow liberal Democrats to oppose the bill because he does not want to speed along new fossil fuel projects. Senator Elizabeth Warren says she wants permitting reform and the funding bill voted on separately. Additionally, the more moderate Senator Tim Kaine said he is upset about language that would give special treatment to the Mountain Valley Pipeline Project in West Virginia. None of those Democrats have explicitly said yet that they will vote against the government funding package over the permitting reform bill. Even more, even if more Republicans break ranks and vote for the funding bill, with Mencken's permitting reform, it is still unclear if it will be enough for the bill to clear the 60-vote filibuster threshold. Now, a word from one of our sponsors, Smart Pricing Table. Do you own a business and write a lot of proposals? I know I've done that here across politics. If so, you should check out SmartPricingTable.com. Smart Pricing Table allows you to create quick and accurate proposals, and it's located with features like, or it's loaded with features like recurring fees, quantities, and line item upsells. When your prospect is ready, they can e-sign and you're off to the races. Visit smartpricingtable.com and mention CrossPolitik to get 25% off your first two months. Again, that is smartpricingtable.com and mention CrossPolitik to get 25% off your first two months. Gates Foundation funds Clinton Initiative to force China reliance on developing world. This is according to the NationalPulse.com. The Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation is funding a Clinton Health Access Initiative aimed at making developing countries reliant on China for health care and medical products, the National Pulse can reveal. The Microsoft co-founders Foundation authorized a uh, $560,000 grant to the Clinton Health Access Initiative in September, which will run for 18 months. The Clinton Health Access Initiative was originally part of the controversial Clinton Foundation started by former President Bill Clinton, but spun off into a separate organization in 2010 through Chelsea Clinton. The daughter of the former president and his wife Hillary joined the initiative's board in 2011. The purpose of the grant is, quote, to leverage manufacturing capabilities in China to increase supply security and enhance the supply of key health commodities in low- and middle-income countries, end quote. While the foundation omitted any further details on how the objective would be accomplished, the grant will likely boost China's manufacturing capabilities and make countries reliant on the communist nation for key health care items. 
The grant comes amidst China rolling out its controversial Belt and Road Initiative, a key component of the regime's efforts to expand its control globally through predatory infrastructure loans. As the U.S. State Department has warned, Beijing uses the Belt and Road Initiative and other undertakings to expand foreign markets for Chinese companies as a means of drawing nations, particularly their political and economic elites, into Beijing's geopolitical orbit. China has been accused of using similar tactics amidst the COVID-19 pandemic, which it started, engaging healthcare diplomacy to broaden its influence over developing countries. Products manufactured in the country also have poor efficacy and are trained with toxic chemicals. The Gates Foundation grant appears to aid the Chinese Communist Party's ambitions to intertwine itself within the healthcare infrastructure of countries across the world. The unearthed grant follows Bill Gates' long history of working with the Chinese Communist Party on business and philanthropic adventures. His foundation appears to demonstrate a similar affinity for the communist regime, sending sizable grants to additional Chinese entities, including those with ties to the lab believed to be the birthplace of COVID-19. In entertainment news, Alec Baldwin is likely to face charges in shooting death of cinematographer Helena Hutchins. Alec Baldwin is likely to be charged for shooting and killing cinematographer Helena Hutchins on the set of his low-budget movie, Rust, in Bonanza City, New Mexico, on October 21, 2021. The Daily Mail reports that Santa Fe District Attorney Mary Carmack Altwise submitted a letter on August 30th to the New Mexico Financial Board asking for funding to indict four defendants and that it was recently approved. In the letter, Carmack Altwise wrote, One of the possible defendants is well-known movie actor... Alec Baldwin. Carmack Altwai asked for $635,000 to prosecute and said that murder charges were on the table along with other weapons-related offenses. She said that a final piece of evidence was Baldwin's phone as authorities were waiting results from its analysis. After the shooting, Baldwin had issued a statement, quote, There are no words to convey my shock and sadness regarding the tragic incident that took the life of Helena Hutchins, a wife, mother, and deeply admired colleague of ours, end quote. The movie was filming at the Bonanza Creek Ranch, a popular production location south of Santa Fe. Baldwin was also a producer on the film and previously said he doesn't blame himself for the accident. Quote, I feel that someone is responsible for what happened, and I can't say who that is, but I know it's not me, end quote. Baldwin previously said that the 24-year-old armorer, Hannah Gutierrez-Reed, handed him the gun and he thought it was prepared properly. Gutierrez-Reed has denied she did anything wrong, but she said it was named by Hutchins' family in a wrongful death lawsuit as being responsible for the tragedy. In August, an FBI analysis concluded that Alec Baldwin pulled the trigger of the gun that killed cinematographer Hutchins and wounded director Joel Souza. And now it's time for my favorite topic, sports. Sounders fans, coach, throw player under the bus over different political opinion. An online mob of radical Seattle Sounders fans went after the team's star defender and his coach threw him under the bus. Coward. Javier Ariega posted a political cartoon on his Instagram account. It depicted a TV sending rainbows into the brains of two kids while handing the boy a dress and the girl's men's pants behind the kids. Two parents are tied up. The point was to call out the media for trying to influence or confuse kids on gender identity. Intolerant fans slammed Ariega for not holding a position they agree with. 
Some pretended the cartoon was, quote, violence, while others criticized him for being religious. Some want the Sounders to kick him off the team, and his fate may be determined by how he reacts to shameful, intolerant re-education attempts by the head coach. Sounds like something out of China. Ariega's position, inasmuch as the comic represented it, is mainstream. While the culture warriors on the left aim to bully folks into submission, there is widespread concern that the media, along with educators and activists, is pushing adult issues on children. They're indoctrinating kids with extreme left-wing views on gender, claiming gender is fluid and biology doesn't matter. Whether or not you subscribe to this criticism is immaterial. It's a common position that people of all political stripes hold. But in Seattle... You must hold the right position, and by right I mean left. The one city's most extreme activists demand you hold. Sounders fans are disproportionately progressive and socialist. A subsection of the group is irredeemably aggressive in their demands that you think exactly as they do. The overwhelmingly white group of activists gets especially angry when a racial or ethnic minority strays from the script, and they come out in full force against Ariega. After the Twitter uproar and what some speculate was a conversation with the Sounders communication staff, the Ecuadorian defender responded with an apology, which is just a bummer. Hold fast if you make a claim like this. And here's that apology. Quote, Dear fans, last night I reposted a post of a famous Christian artist in my Instagram stories, which at the time seemed normal to me, and without thinking that this image was going to cause and hurt the people of our community, which never was my intention, I want to express that I respect the way of life and thinking of all people. Thank you, Ariega wrote. Head coach Brian Schmetzer, schmuck more like it, is a nice guy and a talented coach, but when he spoke to bloggers demanding he react to Ariega's post, Schmetzer came off as a condescending ideological bigot. Here's the literal white knight who was demanding the Ecuadorian think differently. What did you make of uh, Xavier Ariaga had a post on social media yesterday that he ended up taking down and apologizing for? What did you make of that whole situation? Well, you want my personal answer or the club answer? Personal answer. Okay, personal answer, I don't agree with it. I don't agree with it at all. I mean... People are who they are. It's not TV trying to brainwash people. I don't know who that guy was that he took the quote from, but I personally don't agree with it. From a club standpoint, I'll answer that one too. I mean, look, a lot of people were hurt about that Instagram post. And they have a right to, they have a right to be hurt. And Javi apologized. And when he comes back, I will have a good conversation with him. Okay, try and help them out. And then we also, within the club, have a really good social, you know, equity network. And he'll sit down with them and talk things through and just make sure he understands that what he said wasn't correct. God bring judgment on Seattle. And that is why you should also never extend an apology. Hold to your position, hold strong, and do not bend the knee to the mob. This has been your Cross Politic Daily News Brief. If you like the show, hit that share button for me down below. If you want to come to our conference next week, if you want to sign up for a club membership or sign up for a magazine subscription, you can do all of that at fightlaughfeast.com. And as always, if you want to send me a news story, ask about a conference, or sign up for a corporate partnership with Cross Politic, email me at garrison at fightlaughfeast.com. For Cross Politic News, I'm Garrison Hardy. Have a great day and Lord bless.